Thanks for listening to the Driven Society podcast. Real quick, we'd like to personally invite you to the Reserve Virtual Creative Marketplace on Thursday, July 23rd. We're partnering with Cavassier to bring you a groundbreaking virtual shopping and learning experience like none other. If you're an entrepreneur looking to grow your business and expand your digital footprint, send your vendor submission to hello at drivensociety.com. Stay driven. Society podcast. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks, sir. And with another installation of the Driven Society podcast, COVID edition. And today <laughs> we have a, a really dope, wonderful guest, a family member, somebody that we we've had the privilege of knowing for uh, for quite some time now. Um, he is the new COO of Revolt um, Media TV, Mr. Dottavio Samuel. What's going sure. on, fellas? Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, we're, we're honored to have you on a podcast. Congratulations again. Your story is inspiring. It touches so many people. Um, and yeah, I, I just, for our audience who they're probably already familiar, but I just wanted to, you know, um, before we get to the real stuff, I just wanted to take people back a little bit of, you know, how you got started in the marketing space, the, the cultural marketing space, you know, what, what really, um, intrigued you about wanting to jump into this space and then taking the route that you did is really educating yourself and making sure that you were one of the best in the space. Like what, what was the catalyst for that brother? Yeah, man. So I graduated from business school back in 2006 coming out of it. The plan was either going to be to be an entrepreneur or to be a CMO. And so I went to Johnson and Johnson and did global marketing for two years there. Um, quickly realized that I didn't want to be on the inside. I didn't want to be on the client side. I felt like my job was to be a good filter. People would bring you dope ideas and you had to filter through them. And I wanted to be on the side of the folks who were generating the ideas and making the work. And so from there, I ended up going to a multicultural agency. It's a company called Global Hue run by Don Coleman. It was the number one multicultural agency in the nation um, every, prior to Global Hue. Every multicultural agency was siloed. So you had black agencies, Latinx agencies, Asian agencies. Mm. Don was the first one to put them all together in one space. So why do I get hooked? Because I walk into a building of young, black, brown, everything people, you know, average age is probably 27 years old. It really did feel like a real life boomerang, right? Like young people doing dope work, but doing dope work for the culture. And so that's when I first get exposed that this is even a real thing. Um, and then from there, you know, the client list was amazing. So we had everything from Walmart to Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat, US Navy, Verizon, you name it. And so the ability to cut my teeth in the multicultural space, not just on black, but black, Latinx, Asian, across some of the biggest clients in the world was an incredible training ground and kind of set my path. You know, interestingly enough, every time I get ready to leave a job, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do multicultural anymore. And then every single time, like the culture gets me, man, it just brings me right back in. So wow. um, Global U was my start and I'm still here today. Question on that. Um, well, kind of went by kind of fast because I'm like, well, how do you, what makes you, what makes one become and say, I want to be a CMO of a company? Like, what was your first time 
because we all we we're all hip hop babies, you know what I'm saying? And, but it was yeah. a moment when it was a moment where we realized like, okay, like this is this is lucrative, right? Just like how Steve Stout realized how the Men in Black Shades yeah. was selling way more than the actual movie. You know what I mean? When he realized yeah. like, you know, that it, it spawned so much different businesses. What was that marriage of culture and business that that got you in the space? That that intrigued yes. you. Yes. So, um, you know, early on in my career, early on at Global Q, when I was really doing things with Walmart and U.S. Navy, we were doing cool work and it was good work for black folks, but it wasn't like the culture as we know it, right? Like we were making cool black Walmart commercials, but we weren't um, giving to the culture, creating with the culture, building with the culture. So it's not until I start running the Chrysler brand and as a CMO, Olivier Francois, this Italian cat, who was just idea generated. So while the Walmarts and the Navies were very strategy based, Olivier was like, if you walked into Olivier with more than one page of strategy, he was gonna kick you out of the office. He wanted to know what the idea was. And so mm. with Olivier, we started doing dope work. So the very first thing we did, this is before Beats was a big deal. This is before Beats was acquired by Apple, before it was acquired by T-Mobile. We're seeing young black and brown kids run around New York wearing these different headphones. We convinced the head of, you know, Chrysler that he needs to do a deal with Beats, right? And so we put Beats speakers in the Fiat's, Dodges, Chryslers, et cetera. And then oh. he didn't want us to market it in a normal way. And so we ended up marketing it through music videos. So you can go back and find old videos with Eminem, 50 Cent, Will I Am, Carly Rae Jepsen with all of these cars in it, right? Mm, so now yeah. I'm like, that's the first time like I cut my teeth when I'm like, oh, we didn't just do quote unquote black work, but we made something with the culture and we contributed to the culture. You know, the reason T-Mobile gets involved or Apple gets involved with Beats later, I still believe is because they got big deals with people like Chrysler and Dodge, et cetera, mm, right? Um, and so that was my first time always being like, okay, like I can use uh, I can use my talents and my gifts and my love for the culture to make the culture better, right? To put to put money in the pockets of the people who are creating the culture to make yep. sure that the genius of the culture is rewarded. And I think that's probably mm. when I kind of like get set on fire. And so from there we did a mini movie with Lenny Kravitz, right? And then pulled out a bunch of Jeep commercials. Olivier was just dope in terms of like, you bring me the ideas and like we rock. And we got to do a lot of the dope work for the culture underneath his leadership. That's dope. That's super dope. Yeah. That's super dope. So when there was a transition after that where you worked for that company and then I an amazing opportunity came to work with I1 and you became the president. What was that transition like and um what was your role at I1 and how did you operate there? Yeah. So um at towards the end of Global Hue. Um, the company had gotten into a little bit of financial challenges. And so I was looking for my next step. I was looking at a bunch of things, man. I was talking to folks at different, like, you know, global agencies, like IPG. I was looking at starting my own company. Anyways, one of the things that I did was, of course, run the Walmart business. Well, Urban One's biggest client was Walmart. So I was mm -hmm. going and seeing Alfred and I, Alfred Lagans, who's the CEO of Urban One, he and I would go to Bentonville once a quarter, right? And so that's how we got to develop relationship. And at one point in time, I just let them know, like, hey, man, I don't think your business is safe at Walmart. Like, I think you gotta, your team has to step it up in order to maintain this business. And he basically looked at me and was like, why don't you just come over here and do it? Um, I told him, I'll come if you let me build a branded content studio, right? I want to bring some black creatives so that we can do some dope work. And once he Sorry. gave me the nod on that, I made the jump to Urban One. So I actually started at Urban One for the first 
20 months um, running one solution, which is the cross-platform sales um, and creative division. So anytime someone wants to buy more than one division, I1 and TV1, TV1 and Ricky Smiley, anything that crossed over channels, TV, radio, digital came through my group. And then the group that we built, the branded content team, One Solution and One X, um, would deliver all of the creative. Super proud of that group. I mean, they've been winning 10 plus awards a year since our inception. And just a small group of black folks who are mighty powerful, even though small in size. Um, my first year, uh, my first full year on the business, we probably generally, you know, grew the business like 70, 80%. And so wow. based off of getting some solid wins, uh, Alfred was like, I want you to take over I1 Digital. And so took over I1 Digital in January of 2016. And from that point ran all of the um, digital and social content that was made and then the monetization of that content. So if you look at Ricky Smiley, Tom Joyner, uh, D.L. Hughley, Bossip, Global Grind, all of those digital expressions and social expressions was my responsibility at Urban Ones, about 70 brands that we had. Wow, that's amazing. You say that so, that tremendous. so yeah. easily too. Like, <laughs> what's your, um, I just gotta, what's your, what's your manifestation process? What's your, how do you go in and just, you know, you create, but what is, do you have like a philosophy you live by when it comes to your work? Um, I have a billion philosophies that I live by that, 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 that comes to my work. I will say, and I think, you know, you and I have this in common is everything is very centered in my faith. Right. And so Absolutely. I'm not going to make a move until I feel like, uh, the creator has okayed the move that this is the move and the place where the creator wants me. that by definition means that when I step into the room, regardless of how bad the first week or first month or first 90 days go, I'm a big believer in that faith walk. So I know I can have a bad Tuesday, but check me in a year. God put me in this position. I will be okay. Um, so first is just the, the belief of the faith walk and that I'm not there by accident. I'm not there because I made up something in my head. I'm there on assignment. And if I'm on assignment, then God is going to bless that assignment. And so you just got to, regardless what happens, like keep walking and keep pushing. Um, so I think that's a big piece of it. Um, in terms of how I've managed my career, I talked a lot about um, two strategies that have been pretty core to my career. Um, one, which I talk about is um, train on Krypton, play on earth. And so, you know, Superman, Superman was born on Krypton, right? And we look at Superman like he's a, some superhuman being, but people forget that Krypton was an entire planet of like amazing human beings. And so mm -hmm. while he was special because of his birth, the key is he was on a planet with a bunch of special human beings. It's not until he gets thrown to Earth where now the man can fly. And we're like, yo, this dude can fly and shoot stuff out of his eyes that he's special, right? And so for me, it's like you you train on Krypton, you train where the superhuman amazing beings are, mm, and then you go like deploy that. that work on Earth where you can be different, where there's no one like you, where you stand out, where you are special. And so that's definitely been a key place. So why did I go to play schools like Duke and Stanford and Johnson and Johnson? Even mm. like, you know, going to some Somewhere like Global Hue is the number one multicultural agency in, in the nation, right? I want to go where the best are. Um, yeah. And then now I'm spending my time trying to play and make a difference using, you know, the, the, the unique skills and talents that God has given me along the way. And then the last one that I talk about a lot is, um, at least in terms of career, is jumping ladders. And so a lot of times people think the fastest way to the top is straight up. And I've never taken that route. I believe that it's not straight up the ladder, it's jumping ladders. And so if you look at my career, I was oh. at Johnson & Johnson where I learned the client side and how clients think and I learned strategy and all of that. Well, why does the agency hire me? Because they want to know 
what clients want, right? So they bring someone who has that capability and thinking, but I know nothing about advertising. And so while I'm teaching them about a strategy and how to show up for a client, they're teaching me about the agency business, right? So then the agency side, I learned the power of ideas and storytelling and thinking. So then why does the media company want me? Well, because media had moved into a space where we're all pitching solutions and ideas. It's no longer just spots and dots. And they want somebody who has that idea capability. So I come into their system, teaching them about ideas while I'm learning the entire media business, right? Same thing here. This is actually the first time that I've stayed within industry, meaning I'm still in media, but now I'm in a cable network, right? Who very much needs to have a strong digital expression. So now I'm going to help build that digital expression while I learn about the TV and the network side. But it's always been that like, I have something that's important that allows me to jump higher than where I was in another space. And then I learn and build what it is that they do. Dope, dope, dope. Indeed. Indeed. That transition was, um, was pretty dope. I actually um, lost my thought there. Yeah, it's okay. Yo, I lose my thought all the time. I don't know if it's age. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be the last one that holds you accountable for that one, man. That happens right. to me all the time. Well, while Trap gets his thoughts together, I'll, I'll try to with a question. In, in terms yeah. of when you uh, jump ladders, as you said, and people bring you on for a specific um, expertise that you have, uh, how is it for you when you come into a, a new environment and there is the old way of doing things or the tried and true way of doing things and then you have this new energy? How do you uh, get your word in edgewise? Aside from being kind of like the authority figure in the room, how do you get your word in edgewise to kind of find that happy medium to, to blend your new way of doing things with their um, legacy energy? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, it's always um, difficult to start a new job, right? You're talking about new reputation, outsider coming in. Nobody ever likes change. Um, let me think. So a couple of things that I think are kind of have been kind of key for my success. Um, one, one of my gifts is the ability to just de develop strong relationships with people and to try to do that quickly. So the quicker I can get into the company and really begin to build relationships, the quicker and easier it is to build trust. Um, two, you have to have a complete respect for what was built before you. You know, I think a lot of times people come in and they want to critique. One of my biggest critiques about business school is actually that in business school, they don't teach you opportunity analysis. They teach you critical analysis. So when we come out, any of us can critique because you learn by the case study. The case study is, this is what Wells Fargo did. This is how they failed. Don't make these, these mess ups again, right? So I can, anybody coming out of business school can critique the heck out of any business, but it doesn't mean that you know how to see opportunities, create opportunities, and move against those opportunities. Um, I say all that to say what's important for me when you come into a new role is not critiquing the past. You don't know what was going on. You don't know the challenges they were up against. You don't know what the budgets were, right? So complete and total respect for what they've done to get to where they are. Um, and then the third one is you just have to start showing them how the new way delivers new results, right? And so um, working with them, I also have a rule, which is I build strategy together. So coming into Revolt, for example, I had a million ideas of what I think we should do, but I didn't come in and say, hey, everybody, we're going to do this, right? I've been holding meetings every week, talking with groups of people saying, this is what I'm thinking, what do you think? And we build it together. So it ultimately comes out as a hybrid, right? I'm leveraging their data and information to build a strategy that works for all of us to follow. My preference is always 
um, respect the executives who are in the building enough to build strategy with them and then rock through execution together. So it's never just going to be me coming and saying, y'all messed up, everything's broken, go this way. It's like, nope, let's build relationship. I have total respect for everything that you've done. You have a lens that I don't have. With my lens, I see this. I need to see what you see with your lens and then let's get to an answer that we all believe in to walk forward together. Mm. You know, Revolt is a brand that has, you know, over the years received, um, to your point, about critique, you know, from even yep. from um, people who aren't educated in the uh, business sphere as far as long as you are. Uh, Revolt has always received um, some type of critique that they might have, you know, kind of missed the mark or, you know, things could be done a little bit better. What What is your, what is Otavio's playbook for like the first 30, 60, 90 days? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the first one on that one is we're not going to look into the past. We're going to look forward. You know, I think that um, I can't, can't, and that's, that's exactly it. Like I can't go into the past of what happened. I wasn't here and I wasn't there. Um, That said, um, what I can do is look at it and say, this feels like a new revolt, right? One of the reasons I'm here is because um, look from the chairman all the way up to the chairman, like you see how active, Diddy is around revolt, right? I don't yeah. know that you've seen that level of excitement around the brand three years ago or four years ago, right? We have it. Um, so we have it. Exactly, right? So that's new. They're bringing in new talent, myself included, right? So that's yeah. new. Um, when this moment happened, uh, not COVID, even though they did some great things with COVID, when this Black Lives Matter movement kind of popped for George Floyd, I yeah. started three days, three days, uh, I was supposed to start on June 1st and it happened like the week prior. Myself and the team, we just jumped in before even my first day, took everything, shifted everything to social justice. We went from doing 0% social justice to 100% social justice overnight. Mm -hmm. By the time I stepped foot in the building on Monday, June 1st, like everything had already been flipped and we had already made a full pivot, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where we're gonna sit forever, meaning we're not only gonna do social justice, but there's a huge opportunity. Um, If you guys remember Global Grind back in the days, you used to sit in this intersection of social justice and hip hop, mm-hmm. and that was underneath the Russell Simmons days, and I think it, it did well. Like the brand was doing four million uniques a month. In fact, I went acquired them right before I took over as president. Um, before mm-hmm. I took over, one of the things I one did was they stripped the social justice piece out of the global grind, so it just became another hip hop brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me says that they left the space open. There's a blue ocean around this intersection of hip hop and social justice. You can also mm. see that since 2016 and Black Lives Matters happens, hip hop is way more invested than we've ever been in social justice before. Killer Mike, T.I., right? Like this is this is now a major part of hip hop. Um, so anyways, I think there's an incredible opportunity to sit here and, 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 and stay here as everybody else goes on to whatever's next. Like we're just not going to change. I can't imagine us ever being in a place where we're less than 40 to 50 percent social justice. Um, so a little bit of rambling, but the headline for me is it's a new day in revolt. Like I can't talk about the past, but I can talk about it is we have a chairman who is involved and is excited and who believes what I can talk about is there's new energy in the building. What I can talk about is there's a new strategy in terms of what we're doing. And so my hope is for, you know, everybody who would be looking at this is that you can look towards where we are today and where we're going and not pay much attention to the past. Yeah. I appreciated that all. The aspect of that because revolt being black news and when Diddy made that PSA about how it was That's shifting, right. and I was like, and to tell you the truth, it was even a little bit startling because I'm like, okay, this is this is new. I haven't seen a news channel dedicated 
to my experiences, our space, our community. This is new social justice and and being in the movement. So I just appreciated um, just taking that uh, taking that stand because many um, content providers wouldn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. I was gonna say, yeah, and 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 just and just uh, for me, it was really appreciating Diddy for um, a driving us there, but then b supporting the work that we did um, was huge. So, and another thing that I'll say is the audience has responded. When you look at our numbers over the last three weeks, they blow everything we've done in the past out of comparison. Like wow. June is the highest month traffic month on Revolt TV ever. Right. So this and it's history. So this move and this play is also something that the culture clearly wanted and they are showing up in droves for the content. So um, I got a lot of love for the team who made the pivot and then also a lot of love for the audience who is seeing that, respecting it and showing up. For sure. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a synthesis there, too, because it's it's almost poetic justice that is named Revolt. And now the mission is social impact. You know what I mean? Come on, bro. And even, even, you know, uh, to to be fair, uh, hip hop is kind of steeped in in that movement, you know, and maybe might have taken an off ramp. But now it's it's back on. From public enemy days, in a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. That's right. So, you know, with with this new mission and as somebody who has, you know, been steeped in the multicultural business landscape, um, you know, we've been seeing a lot of, um, a lot of support for, for lack of a, a better term from, organizations that we never heard mm-hmm. from previously, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, brass tax, as as, as benevolent as it, it, it seems or may be, it all comes down to the number. Mm-hmm. Um, can, you, can you talk about, you know, being responsible to the, the board room, but also to the audience and, and where, where that give and take is? Yeah, so that's probably one of the best things that I can talk about in terms of revolt right now. I've never been in a company who mm, put the audience and the content first, like 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 Diddy and my current CEO um, is doing. So stepping in and making this pivot, most brands don't want to be around social justice content, right? Um, yep. It's one of the it's the social justice words or some of the like top words that are blacklisted for advertisers, right? So if you go that route, you're going to take, you know, if I say I'm 100% social justice right now, that means there's a lot of advertisers who historically wouldn't even touch it, right? Diddy, the CEO, Romakana, all of them. It is what it is. This is the moment. Everyone is definitely more purpose-driven than they have been profit-driven. And just giving us a pass to say, y'all go do what's right for the culture. Y'all go do what's right for the audience. If we do that, the money will come. We'll worry about that later. Um, probably one of the most refreshing things to happen to me since I've been here. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you, you also mentioned something um, um, before when you were talking about ideas. And Kanye, as controversial as he is, um, yeah. one thing that he says that's interesting is the ideas, um, the idea person is, person is more important than the money. And <clears throat> I wanted to think that, especially in our culture, like we have, I don't know, we have, we've been around, and I, I actually say this a lot like, throughout my conversations is that we, mm-hmm. we have this genius and we come up with these ideas, creativity. You may even been around your man, be around your people and be like, yo, what if they had this idea or whatnot? But like mm-hmm. that follow through of like 
actually having that courage to follow mm-hmm. suit and making things happen. Like I was talking to my cousin the other day and I was telling him, I mentioned like, you know, some CEOs that I know that have, you know, raised money and, 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 and maybe they failed at that one, but raised more money and how, you know, they weren't of our culture, they weren't of our community, but they had the courage and the power and the, yeah. just the overall fearlessness to, to believe in themselves, to go at it again and again, even if an idea failed, but go until they find that win. Because winning is a self-fulfilling fulfilling fo- um, prophecy. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought about that, like, what, what is, you know, is it part of your mission to reinvigorate that uh, culture of mindset amongst the audience of Revolt and, well, the community, period, of, like, how powerful our ideas are if we were to believe and have the courage to execute? Um, so let me say two things. First, let me just validate that thought. So I think it's Thomas Edison that says genius is 1% inspiration and 99% execution. Right. And so the thing is, everybody got good ideas. Um, you know, they taught us this in business school. It was like, you don't need to sign an NDA for good ideas because it's not the good idea that that's the difference maker. It's who's going to execute people who can execute the good idea. To your point, we all talk about it. A good idea on the couch is a good idea on the couch is someone's having in LA, New York, Tennessee, right? There's no originality, right? Everybody got ideas. Literally, the place you differentiate yourself is in the execution of the idea. I also have a belief that you don't know what the idea needs to be until we give it to the world and let the world kick it, punch it, touch it, whatever. You don't know what it's right. So, like in your mind, it sounds good on the couch, but you have to let it interact with the world before you can really figure out what the thing is going to be. I would actually say that's true for Revolt. We got a bunch of ideas of what this thing looks like, but it's not until our audience tells us, yep, more of this, nope, more, right, that we get to refine the idea and make it special. Um, So, I just want to validate your thought about um, it's not just about the idea it's about the execution of the idea um, that said like you have to imagine that in a Diddy system who's you know one of the most genius idea people that you'll ever meet and know and has built a lot of them and built a lot of platforms and empowered a lot of people with great ideas um, one um, our system is going to be a place where we want people to bring us their ideas right um, we're actually playing around and toying with this idea that we want to launch an accelerator like think about how dope this would be if revolt could launch a social justice accelerator right so like y'all come pitch me you know whoever come pitch me your ideas and then we're gonna let the culture vote on which ideas get funded to then go impact the culture and move 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 things on a social justice perspective um so anyways what i'm trying to say is i'm in an idea i'm in a space that values and loves ideas i'm also in a space that values and loves the execution of those ideas and then everything that we're doing we're trying to figure out how to get the culture to come along but both's only 70 people um our entire genius can't be based on or limited by um what 70 people think the culture is going to be a key player and a key piece of not just our audience, but hopefully of our internal staff, right? We need to get the best ideas to move for everybody on behalf of the Revolt brand. Indeed. Absolutely. That's dope. Yeah, man. Um, uh, man, it's, it's just great to hear the, um, all the impact that you're making over there and all the continued impact to make it over. To, to, you will continue to make, um, in your life, who is who are some figures that it, that has inspired you? Because you're also you know a visionary, and I always say visionaries don't have blueprints. You know, because mm-hmm. as much as I'm you know I'm inspired by you know you and the Steve Stouts and the, and the thinkers and the Anthony Sillas, the the thinkers, the the uh, business minds behind the space, um, I realize soon enough that I'm designing my own blueprint. You know what I mean? But who, right. who who has touched your life that you know what? this is a symbol of something that I want to um, be like or 
take on? Yeah, so I won't harp on it long, but you know, we started in the beginning that my faith is important. So Christ, of, of course, Christ becomes a key model for me, right? In terms of servant leadership, grace, love, how I want to carry myself as a leader and as a business person. Um, so modeling that example as much as I can in my day-to-day -day experience. Um, you said it earlier and people hate it when I say this, but Kanye West. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So you know, I know that people can see Kanye being funky today in my office and at I1, I have this beautiful picture of Kanye that was done with um, all thumbtacks by my boy Andre Woolery which is insane. And people would walk in like, why do you have Kanye on the wall? Well, the reason Kanye inspires me is because um, Kanye believes that he can change the world. Nobody can convince him that he can't. Like his mm. core argument is like, look, God has put something in me for fashion. I just need somebody to give me that opportunity in fashion. God mm. has put something in me for music. I just need, and so anyways, like the inspiration is like, you don't have to always know 100% of everything that you're jumping into. But again, you have to have the faith and believe in yourself that like you are here for a reason. God has got you on assignment. And my ultimate job is to impact and change the world. And I just think if you took 300 million Americans and forget the ego and all of those things, but you give them the piece of Kanye that I'm talking about, which is that personal belief and that faith and that desire to impact and change the world through the stuff that you make and the work that you do. Um, like for me, it's a phenomenal inspiration. And so um, it can be a little, uh, not tense, but what he's like uh, polarizing. But I think Kanye for me is always going to be one of the first people that I talk about. That's fire. That's fire. And as a top marketer in this space, do you have, um, uh, how do people with their ideas, people who feel like they're, you know, understand this culture, how does somebody with, who's coming at it from that aspect, how do they break into the system? How do you penetrate your ideas into the system? Do you have a philosophy or, uh, yeah, that's, or a rubric that you go by? Yeah, that one's a little tough. I mean, because um, again, you got to get from the idea on your couch to something else. I think that it's for me, like in my experience, there's just so many ways in. Um, dope ideas can go there. If you got friends at creative agencies, they're always looking for ideas. Um, media, if you got friends at media companies, they're always looking for ideas. There's people who, look, I went to Stanford Business School. You know, I had classmates that were millionaires who just came to Stanford to meet people who were going to be <laughs> smart and start companies, and they just wanted to fund them, right? So um, wow. there's people are always looking for people with dope ideas who have the chutzpah, I've never used that word before, to then bring them to life and execute them. And so I think um, there's no shortage of those people and there's no shortage of those people with money and the ability to fund. I think for me, a lot of that just goes back to like our young days of like, you just gotta be willing to hustle. You gotta be willing to get on LinkedIn. You gotta be willing to do your research. You gotta be willing to find the right people who are ready to listen. I don't know that I have a specific framework. I just know that there's a ton of people doing it right there's a billion people pitching ideas to fortune 5 companies in that like right now in this moment right ideas move the world ideas move business we're always going to need great ideas and so i think it's just a function of how people hustle to get in front of the right people to hear those ideas and potentially fund those ideas also, last thing is just hustling outside of their system and their existing network. A lot of the times people will say, oh, these people aren't here. They don't exist. They may not exist in your circle, but do they exist in the world? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. Man, um, 
I'm I'm good, man. This has actually been great. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you're on point, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Sometimes you know you be feeling like you're rambling, whatever. But I love nah. talking to y'all. So, no, nah, man. Um, I, so we had uh, two questions that we we asked yeah. everybody, but I'm gonna truncate one of them. Um, the first one okay. is if you could if you could describe your year <laughs> so far, mm-hmm. 2020, with three songs, what would they be? Oh, with three songs, Jesus. Um, I'm not gonna be able to get you three songs. That's so hard. Um, you know. um, I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna describe my year and then help me get to three songs that I can validate. Okay. So you know how people say that there's um whatever like four stressors in in life. It's like marriage, life and death, new jobs, moving. The way you describe my 2020 is I've had one of those every single month of 2020, right? Which is like within my family between, um, like I lost my father this year. Um, I moved from New York to, thank you, brother. I moved from New York to LA. I took a new job, right? Um, All of the, like every single month we've been dealing with one of the top stresses in life. What song is that? (laughs) Because that's the answer. Man, I'd probably say... um, Slipping by DMX. Yo, why was I thinking? Oh, <laughs> I think, oh, and I say that because the, I, really I say that though. because no, no, no. But the the song just it, it's a lot of pain and struggle in the song, yeah. but it does have a yeah. nice resolve yeah, yeah. at the end. Yeah, and 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 you you can see, and I love that because you can see like I'm pure joy, right? Like life mm-hmm. is good. I'm not. I'm not depressed. I'm not frustrated about any of it. You deal with life as it comes, yeah. right? So I love that, man. I think that's great. And you know what? I don't know I'll what take it. I I don't know why, but Bob Marley redemption song came to me. I don't know why. Oh, well, I can always get yeah. on that reggae. You know, my family's Jamaican, so and then um the last question we asked everybody, and you you've alluded to it throughout the whole interview, but um what drives you? What gives you your uh chutzpah? as we said. Yeah, 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 yeah. First time ever using it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm driven by a couple of things. I'm driven by faith. Um, I've been told since I was a young kid, um, and I'm blessed and fortunate because I realize everybody doesn't have this gift, but I've been told since I was a young kid that God had a call on my life and tremendous things to do. And I am spending my life and every day trying to deliver on that promise that was made to me. Um, I'm trying to deliver on it every day. So that's clearly one of my biggest drivers. Um, family, I'm a family man. And so um, making sure that my family is taken care of and loved and protected and all of those things is a big driver for me. Um, my father's death, like I'll just go a little deep into that because that's like a new driver. So um, mm-hmm. my father was a professor of African-American studies at the University of Utah. Wow. Um, watching him move as a young kid as he would have people like Toni Morrison or Maya Angelou come to a very white space like Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it and I got it, but I got it as a tactic. It's not until I'm at his funeral and I get to hear his bosses talk about what it meant for the state of Utah, what it meant to see this black man come to this very white space and say, um, we are going to bring black excellence here. What it meant when this man was going to China and India and all these amazing places to teach them about black culture. And I remember sitting in the pew going, 
feeling like I was in a place where I was feeling like I was starting to slow down in my career. Um, I don't want to say settle, but it was like, you made it to a great place. You got a billion dollars. No, but you make good money. Family's good. Everybody's blessed. So I think I was kind of like getting to a place where I could kind of coast and just sitting there was like, why would I coast? Like this man was working until he was 70 plus years old for the Mm. culture right in white spaces for the culture um so how am i going to jump out at 39 um so anyway that's a very much a new driver for me and even part of this move to revolt um underneath the diddy system is to shock myself back into like go mode put that ba- battery back in my back and hustle for the culture um so that's a new driver a fairly new driver um that exists for me indeed incredible thank you so much yeah, man appreciate you brother yeah. Yeah, man. man. Thank you both. I appreciate Thank you. you. Nothing but love. Love everything Absolutely. that you guys do. Respect Thank this you, platform. Man. Respect the black man behind it who are building it. And so let me know what I can do to help ever. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I'm going to connect with you because I got some ideas, brother. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. You already. Stay driven, <laughs> right, Much love. Appreciate All you, right. man. Love. Yeah, man. Stay driven. Okay. Love, bro. Peace.